Hello and welcome to The World As We Know It, a history and geography podcast where you're invited to an audio tour of each of the world's 234 sovereign states. My name is Kiki. And my name is Brad. And as always, we're your hosts. This week, our discussion is on the nation of... Antigua and Barbuda! So let's begin with some overall thoughts and our initial familiarity ratings before research. Why don't you take us off, Brad? Um, so let's see. Going into Antigua and Barbuda, I have to be honest here... I'm going to give myself a zero. Yeah, I'm a zero, too. I, I know I had heard the name before. That's um, about it. I So as you guys know by now, I got into my interest in geography because I really love flags. So I did know what the flag looked like. So I think that gives me like a point two out of ten. That's a point five. So, yeah, we give flags a half a point. Yeah, I mean, because they mean a lot. Or they have a lot of significance. And we'll see with the flag of Antigua and Barbuda that there is quite a bit of significance packed in there. Um, but yeah, I really did not know anything about this country um and i frankly was very excited to learn more this is our first country in the western hemisphere all as, good point nice. as well as our first island nation uh so let's just start off with our snapshot of the country what is it what's it like there brad so antigua and barbuda are two islands um that are part of make up a country in the caribbean sea um, and there's several smaller islands uh, involved there. I think there's like 20 total. Yeah, there's a ton of little islands. It's in the Lesser Antilles. Okie dokie. That group it's called. It. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> the population is estimated to be 101,000 people. The, the majority live on Antigua, by the way. Which is the larger of the two islands. The larger correct. of the two islands. Okie dokie. Uh, the capital is St. John's, which is located on that island of Antigua. It's also the largest port and the largest city. The total area is 170 square miles, um, which is, that's a pretty small little place, um, comparative to, like, Afghanistan, which we did earlier. And that's, like, considered, like, broken up over multiple islands, so. The, le- the main language spoken there is English. That's also their official language. Uh, as far as religion goes, they're 77% Christian, of which Anglican is the largest um, denomination. Um, but there's also um, followers of Islam. Uh, Baha'i. Baha'i and Rastafari. I've heard of Rastafari. What's Baha'i? Baha'i is, pardon me if I'm wrong, a monotheistic faith that started in the 1800s growing out of Iran in the Middle East. Um, From what I know, based on people I follow of the Baha'i faith, it's a a religion about accepting all other religions. Uh, I know that Justin Baldoni from Jane the Virgin show is, uh, Rain Wilson from The Office are both followers of the Baha'i faith. Uh, so we're going to learn more about that, in, I think, in our Iran episode, but it's something I'd like to explore more, too, because it does seem like a very interesting faith. Well, that's fascinating and cool. So what else about Antigua and Barbuda should we know? Let's see. Um, we'll get into some demonyms, what we refer to people from there as. You have Antiguans from the island of Antigua, or Barbudians, or Barbudans from the island of Barbuda. Um, that seems pretty straightforward. Their motto, which we both really are fans of, is each enduring all achieving very optimistic and i think that's one of the things that we're going to see from antigua and barbuda that is just like one of the things i will admire about this culture now is they just seem very positive in like a a working together type country yeah everything that i've read and seen has been very either optimistic or a celebration of culture and differences it's it's, antigua and barbuda has been a joy to research (laughs) it's kind of a nice break okay from what we've been working on there's a lot out there that (laughs) begs the question of 
Okay, we'll get into that later. But yes. they're, they're not without their problems also. <laughs> okay. Um, the anthem of Antigua and Barbuda is, Fair Antigua, we salute thee. Well, why don't we have a listen to that? Let's give it a listen. That was a little bit of their national anthem. The Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda is Gaston Brown. He's been the Prime Minister since 2014. Well, that's all well and good, Kiki, but hasn't Antigua and Barbuda had a queen since the early 1900s? Oh, brown, brown, brown. That's right. Uh, Antigua and Barbuda is a member of the British Commonwealth and is a former colony, which we will get into when we discuss the history of Antigua and Barbuda. Don't do Elizabeth wrong like that, Kiki. You know that I think she killed Princess Diana. (laughs) (laughs) We will discuss. We'll get into it. But first, we're going to get into the history of the nation um, before our first break, and Kiki's going to take it away with that. So when we were doing research, one of the things that kept coming up was, was the history starting at colonization. And one of the things that we wanted to focus on in this podcast was history pre-colonization and really learning what these people were before, you know, European settlers got there to really feel that. So when we're going through this history, that's one of the things we're going to start with and then we'll reach colonization and then we'll get a more defined timeline, but we're doing what we can to give the full picture of the history of the country. So how far back does the history of Antigua and Barbuda go, Kiki? Great question. The history of Antigua and Barbuda is one we would consider ancient. The earliest settlements uh, that we know of have dated to 2900 BC. Uh, For context, the second oldest living organism in the world, the Methuselah tree in California, seems to have germinated around the same time. So it's pretty old. Oh yeah, the Methuselah tree. (laughs) Yeah, everybody knows the the M tree, as you call it. I have a live stream set up all the time watching it. (laughs) Yeah, I love watching it grow. Um, So they, first settlers were a pre-agricultural society. They used uh, shells and bone tools, what we know of them. The Antigua and Siboney people date back to 2400 BC. So a little more recent is when we have a culture with a name that is recognizable that we know. The Siboney were a Taino people, excuse me, associated with Cuba and the greater Antilles that seemed to have colonized from the north downwards. They were succeeded by the Saladouad people who used ceramics and started the first agricultural society. So they were the first farmers there. Um, They probably came up from Venezuela. Next, the Arawak people arrived around the first century CE and developed the first like very well-structured agricultural scene and planted some of my favorite starches <laughs> like corn and potatoes as well as things like chilies guavas tobacco and cotton uh, and then the carob people took over around 1200 ce carobs as we know the caribbean uh were people who they just had superior weapons they knew their stuff around seafaring so they basically came in strong and knocked the arawak people out i, I heard a cool fun fact during research for Please this tell me i i would love to um <laughs> so words that like tobacco hurricane canoe those are all words that originate from that from the arawak people from that taino culture oh, taino culture yeah that's very cool um i also in addition to loving vexillology <laughs> uh 
love linguistics and etymology. Uh, I just have a lot of interest, Brad. Um, and I do have a note here also that the first Spanish explorers in this area did have trouble distinguishing people from different native tribes. So there could have been a lot more in this area that we don't know about um, or that existed without having some sort of European definition placed on them. So this is basically what we know and on their impression. Also, what we do know could have been very well effed up by these Spanish explorers. Somehow I don't doubt that, Kiki. Yeah. Um, so things are going pretty well on the island. Also, the climate of Antigua and Barbuda is something that is very special for the Caribbean, where they have a lot of good trade winds that keep the island very cool, that knock out some of the humidity of being on an island. So it never feels too hot there, which makes it a very comfortable place to live, um, especially if you're a European settler. But here are some cool things. Christopher, legendary asshole Columbus, spotted Antigua on his second voyage in 1493, and he named it Santa Maria de la Antigua. And actually, we have some, some audio from the Carib people at that time. Do you want to go ahead and play that, Brad? Yeah, it's very delicate. So they weren't really happy to see him, and the Carib <laughs> people did <laughs> a very excellent job of keeping Columbus, a Spanish... Uh, conquistadors and settlers off the island um i have here in my notes the care people got them to fuck the fuck off until 1632 that's, um, a, that's a technical geo geographical term right? yeah that's what makes us an explicit podcast i think the only explicit geography podcast on itunes right now for an unbeeped version of our podcast go to <laughs> oh <laughs> you know how they do it in pr oh, that's true <laughs> um anyway so the first english colonists settled in 1632 and at this time, it's assumed that the Carib people actually did leave the island due to a fresh water shortage, leaving the island open to those settlers. So they did a pretty good job of defending that island for a long time, like 200 years, which I think is something that we can admire. That could be why a lot of their culture is preserved and still intact. Yeah. So now we know with uh, English colonists came slavery, and unfortunately it was pretty big, especially on Barbuda. It became more of like a slave making plantation where one of their primary exports was slaves that would go primarily to Antigua, to the surrounding islands, and even in some cases to the United States. Uh, the British emancipated slaves in all of their colonies in 1834. It didn't include Barbuda at the time, but guess what Barbuda did? They're like, hey, we're going to free all of our slaves at this time too. That's awesome. Excuse me. We're saying enslaved people on this podcast because that is the better language to use. So from this point forward, I will say enslaved people. I very much apologize. Uh, so from 1834 onwards, uh, the people living, the Antiguans and Barbudans didn't have it so great. Although they were no more enslaved by the colonists, they were very much at the heel of plantation owners because there weren't many other ways to make money or to earn a living outside and the, of that. And this is British control at this point. It's still British control. Okay. Um, Antigua was operating as the headquarters for the British Caribbean Navy at the time. So they were a pretty big oh, wow. port. Yeah, they yeah. had a lot of business going in and out of there, while Barbuda stayed mostly agricultural, especially sugar. I should say sugar was the biggest crop at this time. Cash crops definitely took over. So tobacco, ginger, and sugar cane... Uh, were the big three and the sugarcane king of those. Uh, and while there was slavery, I will mention that there were many enslaved rebellion, enslaved people rebellions. Like, they were fighting back. So after emancipation, people who stayed on the island, it was an agricultural society. Things were pretty quiet, relatively, compared to the United States and the other things that were happening in that region yeah. uh, for the next hundred so years. In the late 19th century, Barbuda was becoming increasingly dependent on both the crown and the main island, Antigua. So they became kind of a package deal where they got lumped into one island nation of, of two islands. 
Well, they, they kind of are the two biggest in like a chain of islands. Right. So that's when they just got more connected yeah. legally, I should say. Then 1956, Antigua and Barbuda were, they were part of the Leeward Island colony. I didn't mention that before, but that's kind of the, the name of the colony that they were in. Okay. And then the colony was defederated, so they joined the West Indies Federation in 1958. Then in 1962, the West Indies Federation defederated. <laughs> defederated sounds a lot like defenestrated, and it's also a great historical term. I'm just loving this. Great. And then, <laughs> Great, Brad. Shut the hell up, Brad. <laughs> I'm talking, Brad. No, leave it in. <laughs> and then Antigua started talking about um, some other ways that they would want to be governed. In 1967, so five years later, they became an associated state under the UK. So if you remember when we were talking about Afghanistan being an associated state, mm -hmm. they were on the same status, which meant they were... Um, self-governing for all of their internal affairs but the uk was handling their external affairs and their defense and then for the rest of the 70s there was a growing independence movement and then finally in 1981 antigua and barbuda which are officially together still achieved independence they joined the un they kept their commonwealth membership and they joined the organization of eastern caribbean states that's a big year yeah so now we get back to antigua and barbuda today um They've been doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, pretty stable. There have been some political scandals, but nothing, you know, too crazy. <laughs> Who doesn't have a few of those, Kiki? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, it's, it's political sp scandals are the spice of, what, life? Not everybody's life, I guess. Well, our life is spicy. <laughs> um, <laughs> indeed. As Americans, we've got some of the spiciest political lives right now. <laughs> So uh, recently, though, uh, in 2017, Hurricane Irma destroyed most of Barbuda. Very unfortunate. Almost all of the occupants of the island were evacuated to Antigua. So about 2,000 people are still living in Antigua. Uh, when you find our vlog after this podcast, we're going to include a link if anybody feels so inclined to donate money or help or resources to help rebuild the island. Um, some other things happening there... Um, after being a British colony, they do retain a lot of British culture. So the game of cricket is huge there. I've never played cricket. I know that it takes a very long time to play and that there's tea breaks in it. And it takes even longer to learn the terminology. <laughs> so, uh, but it's very big there. Uh, tourism dominates the economy. So there's many resorts, beaches, and hotels. Uh, there's actually 365 beaches. And some of the beaches are pink. That's because beach of cricket. Yeah, there certainly is. <laughs> um, and some of the beaches are pink, so if you're into the Instagram scene, it is beautiful to be there. And another main uh, economic staple of the island is investment banking and financial resources. So you may see it come up in the news sometimes as where people keep some of their money because some rules there are pretty lax about it. So I guess that's our history. That's what we have. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to dive into the flag corner and then have some discussion. Sounds great. See you then. That's great banger is called Old Time Something. It's from Tario Boasta Philip and Dennis The Menace Roberts. They're part of Eminem Music a group from Antigua, and that's from their Carnival 2015 Soka Music um, Collective. Uh, I just love it. It's extremely happy and upbeat, and I think that 
particular dance number is going to lead us into Kiki in the flag corner. My favorite segment. So I'm not really sure how to describe what the Antiguan and Barbudan flag looks like just by looking at it. Um, it's, it's black, yellow, blue, white, and red, and there's a sun. It looks like it's kind of setting on an ocean. What do you think it looks like, Brad? So, now takes the grain of salt. It looks like someone standing in a house looking through a dag- like a diamond-shaped window at a beach scene, and the sun is rising, but the sky is black. You know how? Yeah. Um, so this has been one of my favorite flags for a while, so I'm glad I know the symbology of it now. So the yellow is a, a sun that appears to be setting over the sea. The sun represents the dawning of a new era. This flag was actually designed by Sir Reginald Samuel in 1967 to mark the achievement of self-government. It was actually a contest where citizens submitted their oh, flag design. I love um, that. Yeah, in honor of becoming a, a self-governing nation. Uh, there's also two red isosceles triangles that represent life or energy. They create a V-shape, which uh, means victory. The black sky represents the people uh, of Antigua and Barbudan's African ancestry or past. The blue symbolizes hope. And then the successive yellow sun, blue sea, and then white sand symbolize the sun, sea, and sand. Which is a little repetitive. But it's actually, it's a very great flag. I recommend looking at it on our blog, the world as we know at podcast.wordpress.com. Uh, or doing a quick Google search as you're listening to this, just so you understand what we're looking at. It, it's definitely it's a striking flag. I, I love this flag. It's just a good flag. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Would look at again. <laughs> so we did already listen to Old Time Something on the break. Uh, what are some other like pop culture and current things happening in Antigua and Barbuda today, Brad? So I'm glad you asked. Uh, Antigua and Barbuda actually has this amazing blend of like culture and arts where you have the you know, Caribbean influence music of like Calypso music and Soca music, but you also have this um, this blend of like African American gospel music. Um, it's also like a rich history of like painting, and you mentioned the ceramics of some of the native cultures, and there's like tons of cool pottery and patterns therein. Um, uh, in like fiction and poetry, you have famous writers like Jamaica Kincaid, Ralph Prince, uh, Dobrina Mard. Um, they, uh, and Jamaica Kincaid in particular, she writes a lot of novels um, set in Antigua and Barbuda. Also, with sports on the island, in addition to cricket, which we've talked about, uh, there's a lot of water-based sport on the island, obviously being an island. um, Makes sense. But there's an annual marlin fishing competition. Deep sea fishing is very big for tourism and for the natives there. Uh, Other other sporting events, there's been a few Olympic runners that have represented Antigua and Barbuda in the Olympics. Oh, cool. Um, So yeah, some, some pretty good sporting things there. Also, there are some very large golf resorts available on the island. That makes sense. Um, well, cool. I kind of want to interject here into some of like discussion topics slash just cool stuff I found in my research. So the tallest mountain or geographical place in the island of Antigua was formerly called Boggy Peak. Although in 2000... Boggy Peak was my nickname in high school. (laughs) (laughs) What What I was going to say was that in 2009 on President Barack Obama's birthday... The Antiguan government renamed Boggy Peak, shout out to Kiki, to <laughs> Mount Obama. So it's the only geographical point in, a, in the world named after Barack Obama so far. And we looked at the list of, you know, things named after him. And they're mostly schools and some roads, but... Boggy, a lot of bugs, too. A, lo- a lot of bugs. And some, some fish. Some fish. Um, one fungus, um, but only one mountain, too. 
formerly Boggy Beak in Antigua and Barbuda. Um, and this is a cool fact. Um, in 1998, uh, Antigua and Barbuda adopted a national mandate to become the preeminent provider of medical services in the Caribbean. And as part of this mission, Antigua and Barbuda built the most technologically advanced hospital in the whole of the Caribbean. And it's called the Mount St. John Medical Center. Um, and this actually follows a trend where Antigua and Barbuda, you know, for Caribbean nations, has really high like literacy rate, really high enrollment in schools. They have really good medical centers and training facilities, IT schools. Um, they have really good internet access, pretty pervasive. I mean, they seem like a, like a fantastic place to visit a country that it'd be great to go see. After doing more research, it's one of those places that it's always been kind of like on the list, like, oh, if I visit the Caribbean in general. Yeah. But now after knowing more, I really do want to visit there specifically and really experience the island. Apparently all like the locals there are so nice and so friendly and welcoming to visitors and tourists. It just seems like a really great place to be. Well, that's a great segue into our post-research, post-podcast uh, familiarity ratings for Antigua and Barbuda. So I did start at a 0.5, um, and being the primary researcher for this episode, I feel like I know maybe a five and a half now. I think I gained five whole knowing points from doing research, um, but the other, you know, four and a half to make it to a 10, I think will, will come from when I go and visit there. To have a 10, you would either need to be an expert on that country, in my opinion, or I've like gone there and lived there. Um, and your four to your four your your five point spike stands as the high score until now because I give myself from a zero, maybe to six or even a seven. I I feel I feel a connection with Antigua and Barbuda because I'm from the Gulf Coast and learning about like their carnival culture and like the different Creole inspirations therein. Um, I just feel like it'd be great to not only visit, but I feel like visiting there would be like kind of like a very familiar like kind of like going home because there's like barrier islands in alabama um that i've like gone to beaches on so i think yeah a big jump for me i'm glad that you can learn more from this podcast than i did you're just a great teacher kiki i try i try real hard all right so that concludes our discussion on antigua and barbuda we're going to take a quick break and then we will finish up with our current events section Welcome back to the world as we know it. What's happening in the world, Brad? Well, in my world, Kiki, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is set to win. It's most likely to win a Tony for best play. And this has me deeply gruntled because I do not like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I think it's a bastard fan fiction <laughs> that plays loose and fast with the Harry Potter canon. And it's got me agitated. I will. I believe you. Um, so I, I don't want to lose fans over this. I'm not a huge fan of Harry Potter. I read all the books. I've seen all the movies. I did the Pottermore thing, um, but even like when I heard that Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was coming out and becoming a thing, like even as someone who's not that invested in the series, even though I had like the largest eye roll, because it just doesn't seem. You're better off not having consumed it. So, my world's dark and gray, Kiki. What's the forecast like in your neck of the woods? Well, 
there's still a volcano going off in Hawaii. Um, so that's that's something that's happening in current events. But as as we all know now, I don't pay attention to the news. <laughs> but I am still reading books very frequently. I just finished one um, called Doing Harm by Maya Dusenberry. It was actually about how women's health in America and basically all over the world has been uh, underfunded. Women have been under, underrepresented in studies, like how women have basically been screwed over by the healthcare system since the beginning of any kind of healthcare system. Well, that topic's a Dusenberry. Oh, um, but actually it's very serious. So it covers a wide range of topics in women's health um, and especially encourages women to, if they are feeling pain, encourage their doctors to believe them and to keep going back and to be persistent and to fight that stereotype that women are just complainers or negative when they feel pain. It's a very complicated con... con it's a very complicated subject. Uh, and this is a geography and history podcast, so I won't get into it too much, but I definitely recommend it. It's uh, Doing Harm by Maya Dusenberry. The other book I've been reading about halfway through is a Elizabeth I biography. This one says that it's different than the rest of the Elizabeth I biographies because he feels that he's really captured the true Elizabeth and all of her vulnerability. I'm still kind of skeptical on it. I've read a few Elizabeth I biographies. It is interesting. Um, but we're going to see how it goes in the second half of the book. Uh, spoiler, I'm pretty sure she dies. God, no, well, now I, don't, I can't read it. <laughs> yeah, there's no point in reading it. Uh, but that book, if anybody is curious, is by John Guy. And it's called Elizabeth. So thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Out of the World as We Know It. You can catch us uh, next week for our country... Yemen. Yemen. Um, please be sure to find us on our blog for all of our resources, some of our conversation, and the links to the videos and music that we've posted. And that is the world as we know it podcast.wordpress.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at the world podcast. Fun story. You will hear false links to our Twitter in the previous episodes because I did actually just set up that Twitter account anticipating that we'd be the World As We Know It podcast. <laughs> Sharp-eyed listeners, you'll be rewarded. <laughs> so you'll find us at The World Podcast. Uh, we'd be happy for your listeners. Uh, please also rate and subscribe to our videos. Not videos. Podcast. Podcasts. We would love to read your reviews on air. Nothing would bring yeah. me greater pleasure. Like, and even if you don't like it, tell us what you don't like so we can fix it. We're still a learning and growing podcast. We really want to hear from you. Truly. All right. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>